You're listening to episode 61, Finally Finding Ourselves Beyond 40 with Rebecca. Welcome to Midlife Confidence, where it's all about women living a fulfilling life as they move beyond 40, 50, and 60. I'm Vana Davis, a certified life coach with 20 years of my own midlife journey behind me. And just like you, my best years still ahead. I'll take you inside real life coaching with a guest client so you can see for yourself how a beautiful life starts with a beautiful mind. So how can someone come to feel they're most confident when they're beyond 40 or 50 or even 60? We hear a lot from experts and authors and CEO types on podcasts, don't we? But I think we need to hear more from women who we can identify with, who have come to confidence on their journey through what we might feel is a relatable life with similar experiences of having our life unfold over time because we don't have to reach extraordinary accomplishments to have an exceptionally rewarding life. Today, you'll get to hear how one woman's life has unfolded and why she's enjoying her midlife stage so much now. And just a heads up, at the end, you're going to hear a couple of astonishing triplet stories. I'm so excited for you all to meet my friend, Rebecca Welling, today. She's a guest on the podcast. And Rebecca and I have been friends for a long time, but we had this big break (laughs) because we were friends when we were raising kids together. We had probably preschoolers and kids in elementary school at the time, and we lived in Beaverton, Oregon, and we became good friends with her and her awesome husband, Bart, and their five beautiful kids. Our kids love to play with them. So we have some good memories. And then Mike and I moved away from Beaverton and for 25 years only saw them or talked to them maybe two or three times, I think. Rebecca, what do you think? Yeah, probably, if even. (laughs) Yeah. And so we were so excited when we heard that they had moved to Utah where we live and they only live about an hour away. We got to go for a hike last summer and kind of catch up and hear about their kids and all of that stuff. So Rebecca, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about you and your family and what's going on in your life? (laughs) Hi, Lana. Thanks for having me. So I'm Rebecca Welling. I have five kids, um, a set of triplet boys, and then two older. I had five kids in four years, so was kind of face down in the mashed potatoes with kids for a long time. Since then, since my kids have now all kind of launched I um, work, I'm a, have been working for about the last 20 years. I'm currently working for Intermountain Health at Select Health as a VP over there. Risk adjustment, which is a really big word, and I'm not going to probably go into what that means, <laughs> but that's what I'm doing right now. Uh-huh. And it's been really cool to have this kind of time-lapse relationship experience where, you know, we knew each other as young moms and what life was like then. And now we've jumped into like our midlife and what we've learned over all these years and what we're choosing to do now with our lives. And I invited Rebecca because one thing she shared with me is that she feels more confident now than she did as a young mom, which I think is true and possible for all of us in midlife. We just have more space to become ourselves. So 
we're going to hear more about Rebecca's experience, her journey to where she is now. So Rebecca, what do you find meaningful in your life now? Yeah, thanks, Juana. I would say right now, the most meaningful thing to me is still my kids and still my family. That's where I find my joy. But it was a little bit of a journey. I think for anybody that's has young children, you recognize how hard those years are and how you just spent so much of yourself and your time taking care of kids and not being really able to identify kind of with what who you were and what you wanted or even realistically your own opinions about life because you just didn't have time to think about them. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, you know, just simply from logistics of having my focus change, I've been able to kind of spend more time to figure out who I am, what I like, and and honestly to find things that really matter to me. And I've been able to find a lot of things. Luckily, my family is still number one on my list, but I've also been able to find joy in so many other areas of my life that I'm I'm happy with this progression. I'm actually happy that I'm almost 60 now and you know <laughs> that I can look back and say, you know, every one of those decades taught me some tremendous things. And those things have brought joy in my life now. And I'm grateful for where I've landed. Yeah. So in this getting here to where you're grateful for where you are now, did you ever have a time when you just felt lost or weren't sure what to do next? Oh, sure. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. When the kids were little, and as I mentioned, you know, I had my kids really quickly. I was kind of in just the thick of it all at once. I mean, we went through, you know, they were born four years between the oldest and the youngest. So we did the terrible twos almost all at the same time. We did you know, the preschool stuff, we did the elementary stuff, we did all the sports where we were trying to divide up between us to go to, you know, five kids' activities, teaching them all to drive at the same time was just, uh, you know, (laughs) I still have post-traumatic stress syndrome from that. Through that, I remember at a time where I was trying to figure out, okay, I've got a little bit of time, what do I want to do? And I didn't know. I didn't even know what my hobbies were. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know how I felt. And I remember being really discouraged by that and thinking, you know, when I was younger, younger meaning a teenager, because I was really only in my late 20s at that time, you know, early 30s, but thinking, I don't know what I feel or who I am. And and honestly, I, I did see a therapist at that time and was talking with them. And, you know, it was just for a short time. And the therapist said, hey, you know, figure out what you love and just take some time and explore that. And so I did. And, and that was when I decided, A, I started writing, putting feelings down. And B, um, I went back to school. And obviously, you can't do that when your kids are all underfoot. But when my triplets started first grade, I went back to school part time. And that actually was really instrumental in helping me get on a path where um, I started being able to figure out what I loved, what I felt, what I thought. It took me almost 10 years to get through school. I think (laughs) I started when the triplets were in first grade and I finished when they were in middle school. So oh, that's it amazing. A, it took a long time, <laughs> but I did it. And I just every you know term would take a couple classes, graduated in health information management and started working part-time when the kids hit high school uh-huh. and then full-time once they left. So I think it's a journey, 
But I think that we have to put the time in to give ourselves that ability to start looking and seeing what's next for me. Yeah. So at the time when it was taking 10 years to finish, did it just seem like, oh, it's taking so long? It did. It did. In fact, I remember thinking, I'm never really going to graduate. But <laughs> I also thought if I wasn't taking these couple classes now, I wouldn't be getting any further along. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to keep I'm just going to keep pushing forward. And honestly, I liked school. I was one of those people that really liked to learn. And so it was kind of my outlet. And yeah. it wasn't bad. It just, I just knew it was going to take a while. That's great. Cause then it actually served as something that helped relieve stress. Both. Yeah. And I sat down and did homework with the kids at the same time they were doing homework. So, you know, it did add a little more stress, obviously, in your life. But Mm -hmm. I think it also modeled for them why it was important. Yeah. You know, I was in the same journey they were. Mm -hmm. So now how long has it been since she graduated? Um, I actually graduated in, let's see, 2000. So it's been about 21 years, 22 years. I went to work right when I graduated part-time. And so actually when I retire now from this current role, I will probably go back to school and just take classes that I want to learn, want to do, because I'm still really curious. And I just wanted to bring that up because like, it feels like so long at the time. And yet you put that time in, the time went by and now you've had it for 20 years, Yeah, 21 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, for us, it was really helpful because we had five kids in college at the same time and we needed that extra income. And I was able to actually provide that. And now that my husband's retired, that's all falls on me now. And that's been really actually very gratifying to me to know that I had that ability. Yeah, that's great. So you were so busy with kids for so long and then they left. If they if they were doing everything all at once, like you said, maybe they all kind of left at the same time. Is that what they happened? They did. Yeah, that was actually yeah. really hard because... You know, we had so many kids at our house that everybody came to our house because they already knew there would be five people starting there. So there was always kind of a party there. And my oldest, when he left for college, then it was just my daughter and the triplets. And then she left and then the triplets. And when they left, it just went from being so busy to being dead quiet Mm -hmm. because we not only lost the kids, we lost all of their friends. And that was a hard time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really happy that I had a career to fall back on because I I didn't expect that I would miss that as much as I did. And also that identity, you know, for the last, you know, 20 years, everybody knew me as the mom with the triplets or the mom with all the kids or, you know, the welling family. And all of a sudden I lost that identity. And that was hard. It was hard to say, okay, now what is my value? Now, what do people think of me when they meet me other than, oh, this is a really great mom because she had five kids or whatever, you know, whatever it was that they thought. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, that is our identity and it feels like a loss. And, you know, there's no reason to like gloss by that and say it doesn't matter. Like it's definitely a transition. I wish that I would have realized how hard that was. I remember hearing about emptiness syndrome and thinking, why would that be hard for people? You know, you finally get some time back. Why would that be hard? But it was unbelievably hard Mm. and challenging. And, you know, and to this day, I still miss not having the kids here. I'm one of those parents would love if they wanted to move back in with us, but it's probably not (laughs) healthy for them. (laughs) Well, were there any like challenges in your life that led to you being able to be where you are now in this stage of your life? 
Yeah, there was just the challenges of figuring out, you know, like I mentioned before, who I was, what I believed. Um, I think in your 20s and even in your 30s, you're very conscious of what other people think. And, you know, you mold your personality, sometimes your beliefs based on what your friends think or what, you know, what influences you at that time. What I really like about where I'm at now is I don't feel influenced inappropriately. I'm Mm -hmm. very curious. I love to hear how people feel. I love opinions. I love to talk politics. I love to talk religion. I think part of our problem is we actually don't talk politics and religion enough. We just argue about them. Yeah, Um, you're right. (laughs) To actually talk, it's not really happening very much. And I love that. And I love the fact that I don't feel threatened anymore by someone else's opinion that's different from mine. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious about it. I may not agree with it, but I, I'm comfortable with where I've landed in my own um, journey in those areas. And I don't feel afraid of other, other people's opinions, if that makes sense. So that's, yeah. that's kind of a nice place to land. Yeah, it is. Is that one of the things that you feel like you've kind of grown in yeah. this yeah. stage? And yeah. maybe that's come from age, or maybe it's just come from that I do feel successful in my life and in my relationships. And so consequently, I trust my own judgment. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's why I even named this podcast Midlife Confidence, (laughs) because I think it's a new experience that's available to us. If we're open to it and trust like who we've become now and just lean into it, it's a different kind of confidence. It's not like swaggering type thing. It's like the peaceful knowing who you are, what value you have, what you can do to help, what brings you joy. Yep. And and also to help others feel that too. You know, I think Mm -hmm. more than anything, I want that for my daughters and my daughters-in-laws. I want them to know their value and their worth. And, you know, I think one of the advice that I give them constantly is, you know, I want them to take care of themselves so that they'll be better moms, that they'll be better wives and friends. You know, once you can, they realize that that's okay. It's not selfish that by able to being able to lift themselves up, that they will be and model for their own children, a healthy adulthood. And that's what I want for them. Yeah. Is that the advice you give them? Yeah. We can tell them that, yeah. but when they're so busy, like how do they make it happen, right? You know, I almost want to take it a step further. And if they will let me in, you know, to be fair, my daughters are all pretty. And when I call daughters, I mean, daughters and daughter-in-laws, they're all pretty self-sufficient. But if there's a way that I can support them in things that will bring them peace and give them that fulfillment, whether it be babysitting kids for a date night funding a a career choice that they want to make, you know, a class or a a certification or anything that I can do to support them in being more rounded as an adult. I hope they know that that's always open. And if they don't, I've I've tried to suggest it, you know, without being, you know, that meddling mother, mother mother-in-law, but, you know, I feel really strongly that that matters to me and that I want them to be strong and successful women and not to be down below what they could their potential is. Yeah. yeah I think that's another motivation for us mm-hmm. as women in midlife to really come into our own so that we can pass it on mm-hmm. and even inspire our daughters and other young women 
that they can look forward to this time of life. We, right. we can make it look rewarding and fulfilling yeah. and they won't dread getting old, which like there's so much of that <laughs> going on, right? Well, to, to be at peace with who they are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I talk a lot about finding purpose in our work and I'm just curious with the work that you do at Select Health or Intermountain Healthcare. There's three things that I feel like go into purpose. One of them is, well, I'll tell you the three, and then you can tell me how these apply to your work. (laughs) And one is that we really care for Mm -hmm. some reason. Another one is that it helps us grow. Mm -hmm. And the third one is that it allows us to help others in some way, either directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. So why do you care about your work? Why does is it important to you? That's that's a good question. I actually am really grateful for my work. It gave me purpose, as I mentioned earlier, once my kids left home and I wanted to feel like I still had value. It solved my curiosity. Um, the field that I am in is probably not very exciting to other people. I do a lot with Medicare, um, <laughs> but I actually really like learning. And I have a team of people that I support, that I lead, and it gives me the opportunity to mentor mm-hmm. and teach. And honestly, I'm pretty much at the end of my career. And so I'm constantly saying, here, let me teach you everything I know so that you can take over when I'm gone. I, I won't be here that long. I'm, you know, this stage of my life is probably wrapping up fairly quickly. So let me mentor you. And so my job has given me that ability to learn, to grow, to develop those leadership skills that I probably would not have developed without this position. And then also to mentor and help other people grow. To me, that's, that's the best of all worlds right there. And I do enjoy the work. You know, I, I do enjoy, I don't know if it's the prestige or just the, the ability to, to be in a position where I can make a difference. And you know, yeah. once again, it's in Medicare. So most of you are probably thinking, wow, that does not sound <laughs> exciting at all. But for me, it's something that I enjoy. Yeah. It feels good to be able to do something well, mm-hmm. to be an expert in yeah. it, you know? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So you just brought in all three of those. Yeah, I'm pretty grateful. I mean, I don't mean to sound like I've got things all figured out. I absolutely don't. You know, every day I'm I'm reminded of the things that I'm not great at, but I'm also okay with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm okay with not having perfect. to be perfect. I'm okay with the fact that I daily see my faults. And then I think oh, I'll have to work harder on that one or dang, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I'd say that all the time. <laughs> Why did I say that? But I also recognize that I'm doing the best I can. So as a woman of faith, Uh has God's guidance helped you along the way as you've made decisions or like? Absolutely. Yeah. How's that experience? I think in my younger years, there were times where I did have a bit of a crisis of faith, Um, just Mm -hmm. mostly because prayers weren't answered as quickly as I thought they should have been. And Mm. or there were doctrinal questions that I didn't understand and couldn't quite figure out. What I feel really grateful for is that I, I clung to my faith and I, I held on to it even through those really hard periods. And it has brought me so much, well, it, it makes me emotional to think about it, uh, so much stability mm-hmm. in my life and purpose and direction. And as I look back now, you know, over the, the many years that I've had, and I see those times of angst. And then saw how they played out. 
I can see God's hand very definitely, you know, even from being, as I mentioned earlier, face down in mashed potatoes with triplets, you know, I can see God's hand lifting and directing me and helping me when I didn't recognize it then, but I do now. And in my current life, Mm -hmm. um, as I've had hard, hard decisions to make or hard trials, I still feel that support and that love. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And it has helped me, you know, get through those trials of faith. It, it doesn't mean that I now understand everything. I don't. I still have times where I really question, but I've chosen to believe and I've chosen to hold fast to those things that I believe to be true. I love that. I really do believe faith in God is a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what faith is, not knowing it's not yeah. faith if we know. Yeah, <laughs> so I, it's like we get yeah. to make the choice to believe. Yeah, and I don't think I understood that when I was younger. I think mm-hmm. I thought I would know everything. And if I didn't, then there was clearly something wrong. And now mm-hmm. I'm just grateful for what I do know. <laughs> and what I don't yeah. know, I feel like I'll figure it out eventually. But I can just keep staying the course because that has proved to be the most effective way to candle and to cope is just stick the course. Right. When we can look back over our lives, like you mentioned, and we can see how God showed up. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think I see it better now mm-hmm. from a perspective looking back than I did at the time. Yeah. And I, that's, that's yeah. a real big gift to have, uh-huh. to be able to have, have that longevity to, to see how it all comes you know, full circle. Well, Rebecca, you're working and you have grandkids and kids. So how do you find time for yourself now? And what do you do just for fun or to recharge? Thank you for asking that. Honestly, to recharge, (laughs) I love spending time with my grandkids, which is, you know, I've got 14 that are under eight. So it's a little bit crazy. So I, you know, schedule time usually every week to spend time with them. I love that. Um, I love spending time with friends. I love the time we spent with you. I would love to spend more. You know, that makes me super happy. I love being outside. I'm out all the time walking, running. I don't run very well anymore, but I still run. And, you know, just doing outdoor activities makes me super, super happy. All of those things will rejuvenate me and, you know, and me yeah. feel at peace. And then I love listening to podcasts and getting some of that spiritual time as well. Right. Yeah, I remember you way back in the day, you were running and you'd go on hikes up Mount Hood in the snow, if I remember correctly. I've been running for a long time. You think I would have gotten better, but I haven't. (laughs) I've been running for 40 years or something like that. When the triplets were little, I used to wake up every morning and it was a joke between my husband and I that I would run long enough that I would then have the the courage to come back home. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I want to ask you two more sure. things. And one is going to be, what advice would you give women in midlife who are like at the stage where they feel like there's something more for them and they just are trying to figure out what it is? Yeah, sure. Um, I honestly, I would just say if you're at that stage and I've been there, so I know is just find the things that you love. And especially at midlife, when you don't have all the responsibility of kids, Take that time to really develop those loves. You know, if it's writing, if it's it's working out, if it's helping other people, really give yourself a couple hours a day where you develop those talents. It's the first time in your life where you have the time to do that. 
you know, don't squander that watching TV or, you know, use that time to really build out that joy that's in your life. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely my, my biggest advice. And even younger, if you're not at midlife, is just to find those things and really build out the things that interest you. Yeah, I love that. And it takes time and women have a really hard time giving themselves time. Mm -hmm. Even when the responsibilities fade away, I just see a lot of women have just gotten in this pattern where it's really hard to give them permission to do anything for themselves, to spend money on themselves. Well, I think we've been raised in a society or even in a culture that says, when you take time for yourself, you're being selfish. Mm-hmm. And that's just so wrong. It's just so wrong. Mm-hmm. Our self-worth should not be determined by how much we drain ourselves until we just have nothing left oh, to give. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. that's not what, what I think God wants for us. He wants mm-hmm. us to be fulfilled and rounded and, you know, healthy women. And we can only be that way if we're taking care of ourselves in addition to the other people we take care of. Right. Okay, my last question is we cannot leave without a triplet story. <laughs> like it was so, we were always watching the Wellings and their triplets and the jaw dropping things oh, the triplets yeah. would do. I don't know if you have a favorite story a favorite from their young I have years. so many that I, we, I know that's the hard thing. So I remember tomatoes in socks. Oh, I could share that one. But yeah. I'm sure yeah. you have others. <laughs> I think I'll share. Well, I will share that one. So we had had the kids. We had had a, a family home evening lesson. And we had taught the children about David and Goliath. And we had found that it was so much easier to teach them if we let them act it out. And then they would remember the stories. So we acted out David and Goliath. And we had put a, uh, I think we put like a tennis ball in a sock. And that was the mm-hmm. slingshot. And we let them swing the sock around and throw the tennis ball at the other, you know, one of the other triplets to who was Goliath. And we had David, you know, one of the other triplets was David. And they loved that game. You know, after we finished the home evening, I was in fixing dinner or fixing dinner or fixing the retreat or something. And they went in the backyard and we had probably 10 tomato bushes back there where we were growing tomatoes. And they thought, hey, these tomatoes make a way better slingshot than the tennis ball did. So they <laughs> gathered all of those tomatoes and put them in a bucket and then snuck in upstairs through the living room and then went upstairs to their bedroom and had multiple buckets of tomatoes and played David and Goliath upstairs for, it was probably only 10 minutes before I found them. And they flung ripe tomatoes all over their bedroom. <laughs> flinging David and Goliath. And so it was just a, can only imagine it was what an like. nightmare. In fact, when we moved from that house, which was just less than a year ago, we were painting that bedroom and found tomato seeds still <laughs> stuck <laughs> in places on the wall and in the carpet. They were five. That was not the worst thing that they ever did. There, I, I could probably go on, but that was one story that gives you a taste yeah. of what they, what they were like. <laughs> Is there a is there a worse one? Well, what do you think is the I worst? Probably, this one wasn't the worst, but it was probably the worst for our neighbors. And that was one where mm-hmm. um, they were probably five. The car was parked in the front yard, and they decided that it was high time that they learned how to drive. And so oh. they climbed into our car and put the dog. It was a pickup. 
the three triplets in the front, put the dog in the back. We lived on a hill. Yeah, yeah it was a steep hill. It was hill. a very steep hill, you remember. And they uh, started like grabbing the steering wheel and, and turning it as fast as they could, trying to get it to drive. Well, it was a stick shift and they actually knocked it out of gear with their enthusiastic steering and the car started to roll backwards. And meanwhile, they thought this was great because they got the car going. And I was in the living room and looked at outside and all of a sudden saw our truck going down the hill in front of our house with the triplets in front and the dog in the back. And, you know, we lived, it was a really steep hill and it was picking up speed going down that hill. Luckily, one of the little boys had grabbed the steering wheel so hard that it caused the car to do a, a big U-turn and it, oh. and it went back towards the house, but it was our neighbor's house and it, it went right up on their lawn, took out their tree, <sighs> took out their um, retaining wall, their mailbox. It was, it, it saved their life oh, it, because if it had gone down that hill, it would have picked up speed and probably killed them. But luckily it just yes. took out the neighbor's retaining wall, you know, and the, our bless our neighbor, she came out and she was just beside herself. And she said, I ran over there and I was trying to, you know, rescue my boys. And she came out and she said, Rebecca, is everybody okay? And I said, yes, Sandy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's like, that's okay. I just need to go lay down for a while. As long as the boys are okay, I'm just going to go lay down and then we can talk about the damage later. <laughs> so, Oh my goodness. You know, so, they had oh, a, but so grateful that they really they were, were okay, okay in yep. the end. That could have yep. been bad. Yep. Yeah. They had a driving record at five. <laughs> <laughs> All three of them. Yeah. You made it through a lot. Yeah. No wonder you have all the yeah. stamina you have now. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's nothing that's been as hard as it was when babies were little. That was mm-hmm. Those were hard times, but good times. Yeah. Good times looking back, not during the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, Rebecca, this has been a, such a pleasure and you. I just appreciate everything you've shared. I know that so many women will find it helpful because they're on that journey too and feeling the same thing. Sure. So thank you again for being thank here. You. I hope you found some encouragement and inspiration in Rebecca's story and please share it with a friend. And remember, I do one-on-one coaching with women in midlife to help them figure out what they want now. You can always email me at vana at midlifeconfidencecoach.com. That's in the show notes. Take care until next time.